Hello, my peeps, and welcome to Jay is for Justice. I am your host, Jay, and welcome to my channel. If you are new here, please click that subscribe button so you get notifications for all of my videos and live streams. Hello, everyone. Welcome tonight. We have a very special guest with us. We have Teresa, who went to college with Georgianne Hawkins, who was Ted Bundy's seventh victim. Welcome, Teresa. Hey. How you doing? Thank you. I'm doing pretty good. Well, thanks Thank for you for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, everybody's really excited to hear what you have to say and kind of hear, you know, what what you guys all went through when this all transpired. Sure. So this was, um, yeah. I mean, I say we just get right into it, right? So this was what year? Sure. It was 1974. Wow. And I was a freshman in college at the University of Washington in June of 74. So it was a long time ago, but it doesn't seem like it in many ways. Yeah, you told me that it all seems really vivid to you still. Oh, yeah. Yes, it really does. It was, you know, I, it's probably a combination of the fact that there is still a lot of, of info and a lot of, of stuff going on around Ted Bundy, especially because I believe his execution was just January 24th, which would have been 1989. So I think that was in the news. So there's just, and there's movies and, you know, oh, the yeah. Netflix, there's just, it, it's really tough, but you know, back in the day, um, it was nothing like it is now, but yeah, I mean, it was pretty hard to put away and, and just, not be affected by it. So have you watched the the new Netflix Ted Bundy tapes? Yes, I have watched that. Okay. Did you find yes, it I to did. be pretty accurate from everything you remember? And was there new things in there that you didn't know? Yeah, you know, it was, I thought, I, I had not read much about it. I purposely sort of just kept my, just watched it fresh. And I was absolutely sucked in um they had news clips and things that were long forgotten you know back in those days they just didn't you can't find that stuff online anymore or ever was and so um i thought they did an amazing job and of course i was very interested in that time the beginning because at the time when it happened nobody had ted as we didn't know it was ted bundy it it was just these Girls were disappearing seemingly once a month. And as a young 19-year-old, 18, 19-year-old freshman, I mean, life was pretty easy at that time in our lives. I mean, yeah. we, University of Washington, where we lived and where Georgianne lived, I lived, happened to live actually next door to her, but we were right on 17th Avenue, which is Greek Row at the University of Washington. And it's across the street from the college. And it was pretty much its own community. There wasn't a lot of of police or, you know, it was typical college. And the night that she disappeared was um, the week of finals week. It was June 11th. I'll never forget that because mm. we don't get a huge number or amount of really warm days. And that particular week, we had like really nice weather. And so everybody was out. I mean, it was just music and parties and people were at various stages of finishing their finals for the week. And 
you know, truth be told, we were all just pretty carefree. I mean, it was just random walking anywhere and everywhere. And each sorority and each fraternity, we were side by side. I mean, literally elbow to elbow in proximity to each other. And so the idea where Georgianne was just this darling young girl who was just at the peak of her cuteness, you know, just really fun and and normal 19-year-old girl who 18-year-old, 19-year-old girl just enjoying college life. And we were in many activities together. And I would see her at various parties and her boyfriend happened to be in a fraternity that was just a few doors down from our houses. And I had so many friends in that house. And I mean, it was just a community. I mean, we were all just sort of all united in the realm of college life. So I specifically remember seeing Georgianne a few days before her disappearance. And she was pretty, you know, she was a little spitfire, about 5'2", long brownish hair, just darling figure and, you know, just tan. And, you know, in those days, we all had those, well, I think the styles actually come back, but cute little backless tops and bell bottoms and short shorts and you I know, love we it. Were, I love it. Yeah, I was we born in the seventies, so I, you know, it. yeah, I bet. And it was carefree. You guys were away at school, oh, away from totally. the house, just living oh my life. Gosh. Right? It was, it was so carefree that we would, you know, sad, sadly. I mean, it was. I, I grew up on moving to Seattle from my small town, which was in the other side of the state. I mean, it was just a whole new scene for me, and I was pretty you know, pretty innocent. We all were in that sense. But yeah, I mean, it was just anybody and everybody could roam and go anywhere and do anything. And the idea that she was, you know, taken out of in this back alley and, you know, poorly lit and all that. I mean, it was a thoroughfare for us. I couldn't tell you there was probably not a day in all my years in college that we didn't go in that alleyway and where her house, where she was walking and where she had been and where she was taken was no longer than about 60 feet. I mean, it was just, it was just so ridiculous. So it you know, was that typical, was like it's, some, it's somewhere she would have walked back and forth to her boyfriends oh, yeah, all the time. Like it was just, the way she took home. It was no big deal. No well, one felt creeped out. Yeah, apparently, from what I remember and from, you know, obviously, I'm trying to make sure that I'm grabbing my memories. But, you know, I can't say that I haven't read books and stuff like that, because that was all part of, you know, my, my experience in living this was that, and I'm going to go back to my memory is that that particular night, I happened to be out, out of the out of the U district, I was babysitting actually for my sister and I came back the next day and there was all this police section there was all these people in front of her sorority and our houses were next door to each other mm-hmm. I mean honestly I could pass a roll of toilet paper next door I mean that's how close we were and you know there was so sad probably the saddest thing I remember of that whole experience was her boyfriend whom she had actually gone up to visit that night that she disappeared she had been to a party with one of her sorority sisters that was a block or so away from from his fraternity. She was walking back. Her sorority sister said, hey, I'm going to head back back to the house. And Georgianne said, I'm going to stop and say 
goodnight to my boyfriend. And her boyfriend was studying. Georgian had to study. And they were, you know, this is what we were all talking about is her boyfriend said, do you want me to walk you home? And she said, no, I'm fine. I can, mm. you know, I'm good. Mm. Let me go. So she walked out and she was only there for a few minutes walked out and there is a basketball court in the back of this frat house. And one of my friends, a good friend of ours, saw Georgian and he was sitting on the perch of his second floor window and he sat and chatted with her for a little bit. And wow. she had a Spanish test the next day. And she mm-hmm. just, you know, they're chatting for about five minutes and chit-chatting. And he can watch her, you know, walk almost to a shorty. I mean, it wasn't, it was only like four houses away. So she, you know, he even all volunteered, do you want me to walk you home? And she said, no, I'm good. So she walked apparently from, you know, fill in the blank of what he has now said, because on mm-hmm. his, at his, right before he was executed, he described what he did to George Ann. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. so terrible. I do but have she the audio of that, Teresa. I didn't know if you wanted me to play it tonight, but I do have the audio. Oh, no, no, I, that, no I'm fine. With okay, that. yeah, go ahead. We'll play it a little later, but I do have that audio. It's okay. It's pretty shocking, honestly. Oh, yeah. so, it's awful. Yeah. Well, she walked out, and she um, apparently he had seen her as she was talking to my other friend, the guy friend, and he, you know, his his ruse was a cast or crutches crutches yeah whatever and so he he positioned himself so that he was coming the opposite direction as she was heading down towards her sorority and he asked her if she would help him with um carrying his briefcase to his car and she being as sweet a girl as she was of course you know sure he dropped it right when she walked by him and then he crutched his way back opposite now if my friend had that if he had stayed at that window for maybe one more minute, he would have seen her turn around and walk in the opposite direction with, with Ted Bundy. But he left, he walked, wow. he left and you know, he, he, you know, we all lived with that. What if, and why didn't we? And so going back to, you know, next day, not to lose track, but, her boyfriend, not not the guy at the windowsill, but the boyfriend who she did not, who did not walk her home. He sat on the steps of her sorority and would not leave for wow. days. And wow. that was the saddest part was that he wouldn't leave and they couldn't get him to leave. And, you know, it was the end of the year and people were going home for summer and um, he wouldn't leave. <laughs> and it's kind of weird in the That's Netflix. so sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on the on the Netflix show, there is a part. If you watch the part about Georgian, there is a couple of clips of somebody sitting on the steps. I kind of had to stop it and look. And at one point, it sort of looked like it was him, but then they showed a different version. There was a girl sitting there, but that's what we were around. Was mm. just these people sitting. We were all just sitting and milling around her wow. shorty mm-hmm. because you know, she was gone. And, and, you know, we, in June, when she disappeared, like you said, Jay, I mean, she, it had started in January and once a month, there was a girl missing. And so Mm -hmm. we were all sort of, that's weird. You know, somebody else is missing. And, you know, it was just, Kind of that atmosphere of dread, like who's next and what's going to happen. Yeah, you were kind of on guard about it. We were, but, you know, we didn't have a name or a, 
and we, I, I'm going to say that because it was at the end of the summer, I mean, end of the school year, I actually packed up and took off and went over to back home where I was from. But as we came back that next fall, and it was about a good 15 months before anybody, well, actually in July, I'm, I don't want to get too confused here, but after, Georgian disappeared in, July, in June 11th, and then July 14th, he took two girls at Lake Sammamish, which is mm-hmm. a little lake on the yeah. east side of, of Seattle. And that is when he started kind of, kind of he, he goofed and he introduced himself as Ted to a lot mm-hmm. of people. Not everybody went with him. And so that, that was when we got a name to the face. And one of my dear friends, after that was put together, a man with a cast, a young kid with a cast named Ted, she said she was approached that weekend by a guy in a cast and she didn't go with him. Oh my gosh. She went went to college and high school with me. So Uh, he was was just roaming around, just looking looking for for an opportunity. well, yeah, right. Teresa, like, didn't he admit later, he said that he, um, like, a week or two before this happened to Georgianne, like, he went and scoped out the sorority house and the, that whole entire block and just kind of, like, yeah. sat and was, like, watching the girls come in and out. So he did that prior. Yeah. What was so frightening, absolutely, is that wow. the next day, according to the reports and according to what he told, and I want to jump on your audio that you have later, but that he came back the next day because when he knocked her out, which was only mm-hmm. a block away from this alley where he had taken her, he hit her so hard that her earrings flew out of her ears oh and the God. shoe came mm-hmm. off. And mm-hmm. he rode a he rode his bike back to where he hit her and he picked up those those uh, that that evidence and um, drove all by all these cops, you know, sitting there. And everybody was just sort of you know, we were all just dumbfounded. We just didn't know what to do. Nobody really knew what to do. I mean, because we didn't have any, anything to hold on to other than these other girls had disappeared. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, with that being said, that following year, you know, like when I came back as a sophomore, our whole world changed. I mean, there was no going out alone, everybody, anywhere we went. There was always with a buddy system. The mm-hmm. fraternity guys would volunteer to walk us to class. And, you know, if you had a night class, you always had to have somebody with you. And we didn't have phones. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, don't, you know, I don't really remember if I did that. You know, I still know I took chances. But, you know, it's Just one of those things. Just because you're young, yeah. Well. Absolutely. What did your what parents did? think when all this went down? Oh, they were horrified. Mm. Horrified. You know, I didn't, I wasn't telling them a lot. You know, they didn't know that we were, I had a boyfriend on that lived on the other side of, of the street where, you know, Greek Row was like two, two sides of fraternity. So fortunately, I didn't have to go on that alleyway. But oh my gosh, what we would do, which is so bad, is that in order to get into the front door, you had to pay $100 for this key. That mm-hmm. after 11 o'clock at night, you had to put a hundred bucks down. Well, none of us had a hundred dollars. So we would just prop a rock open oh in the back. That wow. All, all of us slept in a sleeping porch. There's like 20 girls in a, in bunk beds. And when he went off the rails is what he did. He got into a back door and went in and just went room to room and killed people. 
And we had that door prop. We had a special rock that we hid. Mm. And, you know, we'd come in and out all night, time of it's day crazy. and night, wow. and wow. at night after 11. So all he had to do was watch us do that. And he would have pure access to our. God, it could have, and, it, and it could have been any of you girls, you know? Absolutely. Gosh. That's gosh. so true. I can't, I can't even imagine what that felt like. I mean, obviously you're sad because the sweet girl is gone. But yeah. then on the other hand, was, you guys are all like, oh my God, you know, what's next? You know? It, it was mm. pretty frightening. Um, so how long in between was, her her being taken and this this party at this park where he tried to grab was it two girls and he said his name was Ted. Yeah, it was just like a month, right? It was it? um six weeks. Six weeks. Wow. Yeah, not long. So yeah. what do you think about I have a question, Teresa. Like what do you think about the whole slip up he said about um about the van? He said at first he's like, I hit her and put her or I pulled her out of the van. Mm -hmm. I mean the car. Like, do you think that it's that he he could have possibly stolen like a university van or something like some people suspected to take her to his car or, or do you think that was just really a um, slip up yeah i'm not i'm not that familiar with that i don't know are are you talking about georgian in the van i'm talking about when yeah like when he did the confession um or just kind of basically uh said what he did it was just one little blip, he said, um, when I when he was pulling Georgian out of the van. Um, and oh, then he, right. And, the, yeah. and then he was, and they were like, van. The guy was like, van. Right. And he was like, whoa, car. Well, right. And the, I think the detective caught him on that because when he was at the end, when he was in Tallahassee, he took that little 12-year-old girl and he had mm -hmm. her in a van. Uh, but Georgian, Georgian and all the Seattle was all the this VW. This little that's what I thought. That he had mm -hmm. taken, mm -hmm. Yeah, he had taken the passenger seat out so he could lay her down in or lay his victims in the seat. Mm -hmm. And that way, you know, he would hide. Like he, he did a lot of premeditating where he hid the crowbar like under the car and had it parked in a non-discreet parking lot. And, you know, they believed... Know, after I done some research that you know he had like you said he had scoped out the area he knew I mean honestly he lived five blocks from our sorority I mean he lived a stone's throw away he it was his hometown that's the thing that's so frightening is all of these areas is where we just lived I mean it was where we our hunting ground was and his, the bars and all the places he went to you know were places where we all went to and after I graduated from college, I moved up still in the area, but a few, about half a mile away from the fraternity area. And one night I was looking out my window and this lady was milling around and I asked her if she was lost. And she goes, no, I'm looking for such and such address. And I go, why? And she goes, that's where Ted Bundy lived. And he wow. lived like a block away. Oh my <laughs> God. Where I lived after college. He didn't live there anymore, but... You wow. know, he Yikes. had moved, and I'm like, can I get away from this guy? I mean, thank God I didn't have any personal one-on-ones, but it's like everywhere I looked, it was like Ted Bundy haunted mm -hmm. me. Wow. So, mm. icky, yeah. It's very scary. Very scary. Um, now, the night that it happened, were you at home at the time? 
actually I was I was in out of the area I was babysitting that oh that's night. right you said that but that particular night yeah that night and I'm not sure it must have been a Saturday night or no it must have been a Sunday night because she had a final the next day June I'll have to look that up what June 11th what day of the year that was yeah because um, I remember remember um when uh, Ted Bundy was talking about it he was remembering details about how she um, when he knocked her out and put her in the car, like she came to and was like right. talking about, oh, we're supposed to study for the my Spanish final or something. Right. Um, so, she was yeah. a really good student. Right. She I heard um, she was straight A's, right? Straight A's. And that she was brilliant, you know, really good student. And the other thing I, I remember that was really sad was that, um, so I'm looking at the date. The date was a Tuesday. And I, I, for whatever reason, I was babysitting. I was very odd that I babysit that night. But um, one of the things, I remember she didn't come home. Like, you know, nobody knew the next day, June 12th. I mean, we were all just doing, going to college or going to our classes or tests or whatever. But it, it kind of got word out. Have you seen Georgianne? You know, there's somebody missing. She didn't come home. And all hell broke loose is when she didn't go to her final because she was such a good student. And that was a really big determining, that's when the cops came in. Because prior to that, it was like, oh, she might be with a guy or, you know, what they didn't sound the alarm bells, but they checked with the professor. And that was when then all of a sudden the media showed up and the cops showed up and she didn't go to, to take her test. And that meant that there was another missing student. Now, prior to that, there had been a, there had been a girl missing in January. Somebody was taken in February. Somebody was taken in March, April, May, mm. June, July. Oh, Almost God, every see. 30 days, there was a there was a college girl missing. It was unique because, you know, sadly, it was getting a lot of attention because they were college women, educated, you know, good. Girl types, not your Green River killer types, you know, right. they were mm -hmm. girls that were, you know, on the up and up. And so it got a lot of attention. Wow. Whereas wow. sometimes a missing girl might not get that attention. Right. If she wasn't, you know, they were college girls that never would have their parents. Oh, my gosh, I never would have done this. You know, I never would have not expected. And that's like with Jordan, when she didn't show up for the test was when they knew Things bad had happened. I mean, it was almost instantaneously. Mm. Yeah. I can't even imagine. Somebody asked if her body was ever found. Um, in his confession, he had gone into detail. And I don't want to jump on you, Jay, because you're probably going to talk about that. But No, go ahead. Well, you know, he was into necrophilia. and. Mm -hmm. He was also very concerned in being caught. And so he, um, two of the Lake Sammamish girls' bodies were found in one spot and they, they were scattered, but they were found in September. They disappeared in July. They found them in September randomly. Just some hunters came across their bones in about 20 minutes outside, 30 min miles outside of Seattle in the woods. And then they found some other bones scattered, but they didn't ever found her head. Mm. And he was, he, he admitted that he cut her head off. Oh my and God. I don't want, you know, it's just so gross. And yeah. all the while he has a girlfriend 
in Seattle. He's living with a girl, right? Five blocks away from all Can you imagine? <laughs> reported him. Oh. Yeah. He just go he just go you know, go home and head out and take her out and you know. She did report him. I mean she called she called the hotline and said, I think my boyfriend might be the killer, but they didn't pick up on it right For away. Real? Mm-hmm. I did not know yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She she was so upset that she just he had cast plaster parish she had he had the volkswagen he his name was ted um he fit the description that at, at the lake sammamish the they lake. actually got mm-hmm. a physical description and she goes oh my god that's him that's him and she calls yep. the hotline and they're like well we've had a lot of people call so thank you and they didn't get, jump on it right away wow. because he mm-hmm. was such an upstanding man you know just yeah. Mr. Personality. He wasn't the, the profile. He didn't fit the profile of someone no. who would do something like this. And that's, you know, and that's how I, I just have a hard time. I'm watching all these clips of him and stuff, and I just don't, I personally don't think of him as handsome. I mean, I guess guys, people, this, <laughs> I think this Zach Efron movie is supposed to come out and it's supposed to be just as gorgeous, drop yeah. dead. You know, I walk at him and I go, he's kind of creepy. His eyes yeah. are creepy, but is it because we know what he's done and and we know who he is? But I feel the same way. I yeah, don't look at him and think, damn, he's a good-looking guy. Yeah. I don't think that. He ain't nothing to write home about, that's no. for sure. No. Well, I think that it's the way he talks. You know, I, 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 I was just saying it to my, to my husband tonight. I said, you know, I don't know if he's this cocky sort of, you know, ever always had the right way to express himself but that would have interested me i mean i think i was i'm too sarcastic enough or too you know i don't know if i would have bought his line but you know then again if somebody's in crutches and mm-hmm. they're you know mm-hmm. fumbling and say can you help me i'd probably say yeah sure and he looks you know, like an upstanding do. person he doesn't look like someone yeah. who's shifty or you know that that the typical person that you you know want to walk on the other side of the road because you see them coming towards you you would yeah, just think yeah. they're a regular yeah. person. Yeah. God, that's so awful. Well, the, girls that he approached, the girls he approached like Sammamish, there were some of the girls yeah. that did go with them really picked up a real creepy vibe from him. Like, oh my God, he was staring at me and following me. And that was kind of, you know, he was in his frenzy. He had this, you know, frenzy, this in- entity that he described that, you know, he he took one girl and did what he did with her and then he came back and got another one a couple of hours later and you know by the second go around he was in some sort somewhat of a frenzy and you know then he'd sell that and then he'd be it'd be out of his system for a couple weeks and then he'd have to go and do it again but then he moved to utah after july there were no more seattle well no more that they know of but so the two girls at the park were the last two in that area yeah, those were the last two in the Seattle area. Probably because he but gave his name up. and realized, uh-oh, I better get the hell out of here. Right, yeah, and then the girl started disappearing in Utah. Mm-hmm. Only, honestly, I mean, he left in August, and I think in September, one of the girls, a girl ended up missing. October, November, the girl, Karen Campbell, the girl in Colorado at the ski resort. I mean, it was just, uh, like clockwork. I mean, wow. the guy was. He just had to keep doing That's and doing and doing. 
Um, Teresa, I don't want to cut you off, but I want to introduce you to another co-host sure. that signed in. His name's Oni. I don't know if you've seen his channel. Hi, Hi how Absolutely. are you? She's I'm watched our channel. Big time fan of you. Oh, yeah. thank you. How are you guys? So what a crazy encounter to live yeah. through. Do you have any questions? Yeah. So uh so so you you're um i mean you lived and breathed this basically um and didn't he kind of work from like the west coast to the east like you started in seattle california and then kind of went across the made his way from right um well he went you know i think he there may be things that nobody really knows but from what they know mm -hmm. of that he started in Washington and in the early 70s, 1974 is the first girl that's been attributed to him in um, January of 74. And then January, girl missing, February, girl missing, March, April, May, June, July. Oh my so gosh. in that realm, there was one every 22 to 30 days somebody ended up, and then he went for two, you know, two for one on July 14th. Then he got, he was always kind of dabbling in uh, law school, but never really doing very well. And so he got accepted in the Utah law school and he, and he drove down to Utah and then girls started disappearing down there. So Utah, two or three, four, there's quite a few YouTube channels about the Utah disappearing women and really interesting. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, then in Utah was the gal, Carol Durach was the one girl that he tried to take in a fashion, in a mall. Mm. And she got away. She, she, got, away. she got her in her car. Yeah, and so she, she was, was in the tapes there. Story. That interview with her was oh. really interesting. Mm -hmm. oh. it just yeah. I mean, she is amazing because he, he got her in his car and then he tried to handcuff her, but he messed up and got two handcuffs on one wrist and she got out and she was able to nail this guy. And then he got arrested for that kidnapping. And then he started, then he escaped. He escaped, jumped out of a second store window um, at the jail. You know, he's Mr. Charmer. So they let him be alone in this law library and, during this trial for Carol, he knew he was going to get nailed and they left him in this, this, uh, room and he jumped out of the second floor window and took off this and seven or eight days later, you know, he stupid idiot. He went out in the woods and this was in Utah and he couldn't last very long. And he ended up driving back into town, got pulled over for traffic infringement, got back in jail and then he got called in then he got extradited to colorado because there was a couple of people missing and one in particular was karen campbell at a ski resort where he took her from an elevator she went up to say oh this is a saddest story sitting with her fiance in the ski lodge saying oh i'm going to run upstairs and grab something i forgot something they're going to dinner or going to go have a drink mm -hmm. she hits the mm -hmm. she's on the second floor hotel room, hits the elevator, disappeared, never showed up again. Nobody knows where she is. They find her body like a month later, frozen out in the snow bank. And he was seen there and they found, they nailed him with gas receipts and whatnot. They got, so he was on trial in Colorado for her and he escaped again. 
and that he escaped on uh, New Year's Eve in December of 1977. Mm. But three weeks later, he was in Tallahassee, Florida, and he got into the sorority at the Chi Omega house and killed two women and attacked three other women. And then a week or so later, he killed the 12 year old girl. And then he got, he got nabbed another traffic violation. So he was Washington, Oregon, Colorado, Utah, and Florida. And he was ultimately executed for the, for the two girls, Chi Omega murders and Kimberly Lee. He was given the death penalty for her, the little 12-year-old girl. Didn't he uh, sneak into a sorority house and bludgeon a girl that was in in bed? He got into the house. He walked in with a a, uh, piece of, he grabbed a a log that was outside the sorority. And he walked in, opened doors, and just started beating the girls one after Mm -hmm. the other. And the first two he killed, and then the next three survived. But, you know, they, who knows what their condition was. And then he walked down the stairs, walked out the front door, and then walked about two blocks later, broke into another house and beat another girl. And her roommate overheard her, like some rumbling, like, what's going on? And they opened the door and... She had escaped, and this girl, she did survive, but she's, like, totally ruined her life. And she, mm. it was horrible. And it was, I hadn't realized that it was only, like, two weeks or so after he escaped from Colorado that he went on his frenzy in Florida. But I'll never forget that. As a person, sitting there going, oh, my God, Ted Bundy's escaped. I mean, we were all so scared. I couldn't imagine. We thought he's going to come back to Seattle. He's going to come back up here. And these, you know, can't, he was gone. I mean, how could somebody be so stupid to not keep, keep him chained? Because he's just such a charmer. He could get in and get these jailers to just say, oh, he's a nice guy. You know, up until the minute he was executed, he was trying to get his, you know, get people to come on his side. Sick son of a bitch. Wow. I know. I remember when he got executed. You guys are probably not even born yet. No, I do remember. It was in 89, right? I was nine. (laughs) I was, no, I was a teenager. I was in high school. My children are probably you guys' age. You know, the kids knew that I've been so affected by this. My children. And they're like, Mom, are you so happy that Ted Bundy got executed today? I'm like, oh my God, what have I created here? Oh my God. (laughs) I didn't really understand. And my son wrote for his, uh, what he's most thankful for. I'll never forget this. You know, at school, I think he was like in second grade or first grade or whatever. And they had to write, what are you most thankful for? And all the kids had written their family and their pets. And they'd written all these cute little cartoon, you know, little family things that they could bring home for their families for Thanksgiving. And my son presents me his, I am most thankful for Ted Bundy getting executed in an electric chair. They drew this whole picture of Ted wow. Bundy executed. And <laughs> oh I'm like, oh, my God. The okay. teachers are... I, I need to stop talking about this. And, you know, he's totally normal. He's a great 32-year-old, perfectly normal kid. But, you know, they were they heard me talk about this. And they 
from what they could understand. But yeah, crazy. Yeah, I was 15 when he was executed. And I remember, I remember hearing it on the radio, them announcing that Ted Bundy had been executed. And I was Mm -hmm. in, I live in Michigan. So I remember hearing it on the radio and I was like, God, I never really, the only thing I ever watched about Ted Bundy prior to, you know, hearing him get executed or even up until recently was the movie with Mark Harmon. Yes, that was Stranger Beside Me. Yes. That was a good movie. It was a really that good was movie. Probably one of the best ones. Yeah. And I feel like he did such a good job portraying Ted Bundy. He really he did. did. Mm-hmm. I, I think that of you know, now that since then, I mean it's probably kind of dated and whatnot, but oh my gosh. Yeah. I well, remember I think that's what makes it kind of creepy is that it is dated, you know? Yeah. You watch it and it's like it, Exactly. Kind of takes you I back think so to that too. time. About whenever the Anne Rule book came out, The Stranger Beside Me, I, I was young. I think I want to say it was probably written in 1979, 1978. It was right when he was arrested in Utah and whatnot. And um, probably, seven, yeah, close to that. And I bought the book and I was single and you know living living with roommates and I read that book I was so scared and my husband who at the time was my fiance I remember he took that book from me goes why are you reading this and I said I don't know I just have to read it it's just I don't know and he took any threw it in the garbage and and I go okay fine I won't I I won't read it and then he left and I went and dug it out of the garbage I said I am reading this book yeah. And yeah. he doesn't remember that, of course. He wasn't he wasn't affected by it. although he was at Lake Sammamish the day that the girls disappeared. He doesn't yeah. have any memory and there was obviously nothing that he, you know, knew at the time, but the coincidence of him being there that day is kind of weird. Absolutely. He was there. He goes, Oh yeah, I was there that day. So he saw the whole frenzy when they realized these two girls was, were missing. Nobody or... knew. Yeah, I mean, nobody knew at the day oh, they that they didn't. disappeared. Mm-hmm. No, because, you know, the girl, one of the girls, the first girl was single and nobody even noticed that she was missing. And then the second girl, her boyfriend just thought, ah, you know, she got mad and walked off. And it wasn't until later in the evening that they kind of figured that something is off here. Mm-hmm. You know, it it was such a different time. That's a, it's just hard to remember that. Mm-hmm. You know, how did we function? That's what I wanted to know. I know. How did I, I live know. in that, how did yeah. live in yeah. that time? What, what, what happened? I mean, what did we do with ourselves? I, I, know. Mean, we, I know. It was a normal life, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I, it's a testament to your resilience. I mean, I, yeah. I commend you. I think it's awesome you're able to move past that and, um, you know, for sure. It's, it's, it's well, just, it's a lot. It's, it's, you know, I'll, I'll just say a little bit about, you know, it did really, uh, I guess the effect of it was that I, I have been, I'm, I'm just a big crime girl, you know, and I just, I don't know, I almost feel like that kind of spurred me into wanting to be an advocate for these young people and you know just I'm interested I don't know why maybe there's something wrong with me but obviously this is what no. you guys do too yeah, yeah no we're, some... you're amongst oh, you're amongst you're... company like you're... yes I preach into the I, choir yes. I, 
I have to admit, I, I did not know this whole world was out there. I mean, I forced, I forced my husband to watch forensic files in 48 hours and he hates all that stuff. And I'm just like, he goes, why do we have to watch murder every day? And I said, I don't know. I just have to. <laughs> Sounds like That's me. <laughs> me too. <laughs> Yeah. He does not get it. And people that don't get it, you can't explain it. No. How do you explain it? You can't. You can't. But do you feel like this made you have the interest or yeah. did you kind of feel that way before? No, no. This I this really affected me. Yeah. It really did. Because it was just so close. And I I don't know, I can't put my finger on it, but you know, there are other people that I went to school with and that lived in that. And they, you know, they, I, I have to remind them. I just had a little reunion with some of my friends from that, from that time. And, you know, they're all just like, oh, what? You know, they, it, they weren't, I don't know. It just, the empath in me, I just thought about mm -hmm. her boyfriend and I thought about her and, you know, and her parents and no, I mean, yeah. I, and the fact that we walked that alley and we, prop that door open every mm. night and you know and just her friend one of one of my good friends actually she was a high school friend of mine she's in the Netflix video and she's looking out the window and I go that's Leanne and Leanne went on interestingly enough she went on to become like TV star movie star like Nash I mean she's this like famous girl but she'll never you know remember just talking she did she was one that did have a very close relationship with Georgianne and mm. you know I just I just saw her on that little clip back when she was just a little 18 year old girl you know wow. we didn't know wow. what life was going to be you know and I can't but imagine being you guys and like I'm sorry I don't mean to cut you off but I just can't imagine being you guys in college carefree your friend goes missing you're not even sure what happened to her because she's not found and how do you, you know, how do her friends grieve when mm -hmm. you have no closure yeah. and you're young and then you're scared? I just can't imagine all of the emotions that you guys went through as teenagers dealing with something like this. You know, in a, you're so right because, you know, back in those days, that particular year of that, my freshman year, my brother died suddenly Aww. when I, in February of that year. Aww, and I'm so sorry. I had had this horrible situation in my family and he was only 14 oh my gosh. and it just happened real quickly and so but you know I have to say nowadays people actually provide some sort of support bridge for grieving you know and there's you know candlelight vigils and maybe some of that can can get overdone but you know there is there is something about mutual group grieving there was none of that then I mean she was like gone and we're we're all just left Oh my God. Just left hanging. What do we do now? Yeah, there was no follow up. I mean, the only, when we came back to college, and the reason I mentioned my brother is that that was the same, the grief. You know, there was, there was no bridge to grieving. There was nobody sitting there saying, well, let, we'll have grief counselors there if you need to talk to somebody. Mm -hmm. We'll have people available for you. We'll do a candlelight. We'll, oh, nothing. There, it was like people just left and, you know, that generation, you know, I know my parents were World War II generation is like, we don't do that. You know, yeah. we just for, keep, for, the push. Yeah, keep moving on. Yep. Right. You don't sit and labor over it. And so with Georgianne, 
it was interesting because with her parents, I think she was had some siblings, but there was no service for her at the school. You know, there was no candle. There was no, it was just the saddest part was her boyfriend sitting on the steps of her sorority and wouldn't leave That's for days and caught all it over is. the site. Yeah. Because and I'm you sure like, he felt guilty, right? Like, yeah. Oh, he was. Yeah, yeah. It. I've kind of followed him. I, I, I knew of him. I, I knew the guy that she talked to before. You know, as she was leaving, I knew him quite well. My husband did too. But as far as her boyfriend goes, I don't think he's. I think he's had some challenges in his life. I've kind of seen that online, oh, and you know, it's obviously. I mean, how can he's you? He's traumatized. Not, like, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Oh, but, you that know, breaks my heart. Because it's not hurts. his fault, you know. But he he is gonna live with that and think if I if I only had done or what if or mm-hmm. so yeah. hard. I felt I felt awful for him. That's ho- that's horrible. Yeah, and and, I'm and her sorry parents about as your well too. That's oh yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, and her parents. Like I, I saw the I saw the in or the article. I read an article about her parents. And they had just put her stuff I know. to the I, side and hadn't touched her for 30 years. I so thought sad. that. Is that the saddest? I thought that was sad. almost, my heart just broke. Her mm-hmm. mom was just like, we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to hear about it. Yeah. We don't want to know the details. You know, I don't, sadly, I don't think that was unusual for people. At that time, yeah. That realm, Yeah. But given that, there was a lot of of repercussions because nobody had an avenue. And for some, it was, you know, expelling your energy negatively. Mm-hmm. For others, it was, what can we do um, for, you know, make sure. Now, I know when we went back to college, we had, you know, a lot more. When I said earlier that there weren't any police officers or anything up in the U district, I mean, it was just like we could do. It was a free for all. I mean, there was streaking and drugs and <laughs> drugs. I mean, it, you couldn't believe what was going. It was Sin City. It, you know, it was 1974, and then the cops started. All of a sudden, the police started hanging around, which wasn't you know very well received by a lot of people. But that was just that's how life changed. Yeah, and then the you know the the part the the sororities you know we were pretty it was a pretty um, we had a house mother and we couldn't have boys in the house other than the main four I mean it was pretty lockdown environment and it stayed that way all while I was in college all the four so years. So did you feel there. safe and, going back the next year? Well, I did. I. You know, as a 19-year-old, there was no way I was not going back. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I would say that we were typical kids, like, oh, yeah, we'll be careful. But I'm not, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to agree that I was any safer. I mean, I didn't. I told myself I can handle it. Mm-hmm. I won't talk. You know, they were all, don't talk to people. Don't go, blah, 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 blah. You know, I mean, we were all given the song and dance. But I know that I would run across, you know, I'd go out late at night or we go get food or we you know head out and do something stupid we were stupid kids kids, yeah you know how we oh i even hitchhiked i mean i even my girlfriend and i hitchhiked and so we you know we got 
we hitchhiked just because our car broke down and and we just thought we'll just hitchhike and some weirdo oh and he was a, like a really icky person but he did drop us back off in the u district and we oh were my God. you know with each other we thought oh my god we were so stupid but we thought we were smarter than mm-hmm. it's what all kids think